is The Unseen, and I'm your host, Mike Cleland. This is part five, the final episode in a series of audio interviews with my friend Ron Johnson. I'm not sure of the time count on all of these and how they all total up, but my guess is that it would be close to seven hours of interview time. And, and this was required, I felt this was totally required to fully tell Ron's lifelong story. Now, for anyone who has not heard any of the initial four episodes, this final one might not be the place to start. This one, in a way, feels a little bit different. It is a bit more reflective. And if you haven't heard any of the initial shows, you, you won't really be aware of the depth of Ron's experiences. So I would encourage anyone to listen to those before jumping into this final episode. You can certainly listen to this one all on its own, just you might not be up to speed on the, on the volume of experiences that he's had in his life. I need to thank the listeners for all their positive feedback. Ron has read some of these comments too, and I know it has meant a lot to him. These comments have been a confirmation for me um, that it was okay to do this long format interview and to really create the kind of space that Ron needed to fully share his experiences. I have known Ron for well over a decade, and it has been my profound honor to let him share his life here in this audio series. This conversation was recorded Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. Please enjoy. Ron, I want to thank you so much for for having this conversation and for having such a long conversation with me on the experiences in your life. It really means a lot to me. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to uh, speak, <laughs> to tell my story. Well, it's been very, and, it's been very obvious that uh, it wouldn't have served you or the listeners or, or, the, or the greater mystery, I guess, if we had not really just committed to allowing the story to be told thoughtfully. That happens a lot where people, I can tell there's more to their story. Sometimes I'll do an interview and you have an hour and you can get a lot out in an hour, but but I can tell that some people have more to tell about that story. And that's actually what I'm interested in is the, not only, you know, the one or two powerful stories or five or six powerful stories, but all the odd little things that, that go on in between those accounts. Yeah, there's connected. so much more than just the story itself. You know, dreams play a part of it. Uh, yeah. Experiences other than UFOs plays a part of it too yeah yeah and then the, there's just so much and the synchronicities for me have played a part in these mm -hmm. weird coincidences and and um hey as we ended the show last week you spoke about this was a dream experience but you spoke about mm -hmm. meeting jesus and that that generated some buzz in the comments on the show page and i just wanted yeah. to follow up on that because you didn't really say much you just, some of the, your memories and details of that dream Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a real vivid dream. Uh, 
And it started out, uh, well, I told you before some of my dreams, I would be an animal, mm -hmm. a bear, a fox, a oh, deer, yeah. or whatever. Okay, in this dream, I was a deer. And I'm standing on the edge of this town, and there's people walking towards me from this town. So I turn and I run away. I don't want them catching me. And I run, and I'm telling myself that uh, I'm in my master's world. Everything in this world is it's scary. It's uh, I I love my master, but I, yet I'm afraid of him. And I and I'm telling this as a deer. <laughs> uh, it might be hard to visualized but but anyways I, I run off and I'm running I'm running through fields I'm jumping fences just running looking behind me and I'm telling myself well my master is not chasing me any longer and when I'm saying my master I'm talking about man and uh, and I run and run and run, and then I just get so darn tired, I run up to this big rock. It's like a wall. It's a huge boulder. And I just lay down. And I'm laying there just trying to catch my breath. And then uh, after a while, there's a, a being appears out of this rock. And he tells me that uh, you won't have to put up with this anymore. And what he means by that is I'm not exactly sure, <laughs> but uh, I, I get up and he asks me to follow him. So I follow him and we go walk into this rock. And there's people, uh, they're, they're, like, they're like beings, and they're all over. There's young ones, little ones, big ones. Wait, wait, so you said you went into the rock? Into the rock, in through the rock, yeah. And uh, the, the being that took me, he's telling me, he says that uh, you won't ever have to fear for your life ever again and so I'm, I'm standing there and he tells me that uh, there's somebody that wants to see you and he kind of glides off and everybody else kind of moves away from me and this it's not a pillar of light it's a spot of light real bright appears in front of me and it's got rays shooting out in all directions and it slowly moves towards me and I can see the image of a man in this white light and he's not on the ground he's about a foot off the ground and he just kind of glides up to me and it's so bright but yet I I can see him plain as day. 
it's not overpowering or anything. And he comes up to me, and the first thing he asks, he says, do you know me? And I tell him, and we're talking telepathically, and I go, yes, I know who you are. And he puts his hands on top of my head between my ears, <laughs> mm-hmm. and... Uh, after a while, he starts telling me that uh, I won't have to uh, worry about man anymore, that this will be my last incarnation on earth, and I can come back if I want to, but it'll be my choice. Mm-hmm. And it's and this just goes on and on and then finally he uh, he tells me that uh, if I want to I can live in this realm with these light beings and that was it Uh, he goes back into a, a a bright light and just descends away from me. <laughs> and uh, that was it. I woke up after that. Now, did he call you, or excuse me, and did he, like, introduce himself as Jesus, or how did you know it was Jesus? No, I I, I knew. Uh, when he asked me, do you know who I am? And I go, yes, I know you. It was uh, like I didn't want to say his name because... You know, in the in the dream state or this these astral projections, there's all kinds of bad spirits out there, and I just didn't want to say who he was. Okay. In case there, you know, I didn't want to throw my pearls before swine. Okay. <laughs> okay, and and did you have any image? I mean, were you seeing a bearded man with a no, it, it wasn't. Okay, you know the generic pictures that you see of Jesus? Sure, yeah. <laughs> in churches and stuff. It, it didn't look anything like that. <laughs> he looked like a normal person. Uh, this person didn't have a beard. Um, but he was in a white, golden white light. Mm-hmm. Um wore a robe all the way from the neck down almost to his feet. Uh, he was barefoot, didn't have any sandals or nothing on. And like I say, he wasn't walking. He was just gliding like about a foot off the ground. Okay. I just looked it up, and I kind of knew this anyway. I would have written down the same thing, but while mm-hmm. you were talking, I looked it up. The spirit meaning of of um, the deer. Uh, the deer is a symbol of the wilderness and the forest. And it's also a symbol of peace and gentleness and kindness. Mm-hmm. And then it's also symbolic of fear. And you said that as you were approaching the rock, you said this, this is the realm of fear you were in. And right. You, yeah. Yeah. It was, I was being hunted. These people that were following me, they were chasing me. 
Okay. They were going to kill me. And and then now is there a sense or a understanding that this is somehow this dream was somehow tied into the your contact experiences? Uh yes. Um Gosh, this is, this is really tough to talk about. <laughs> uh, these beings that when I went into the rock, uh, the one had come out and got me and took me in. Uh, they were, I was invited in, and I went with them. And these were interdimensional beings. Um I guess you could call them aliens. Uh, I I call I would call them more interdimensional. And um, and what did they look like? They looked like uh, uh, like like a regular person. They looked like us. They was real smooth, like soft complected. Uh, they were almost transparent. Uh, you could almost see through them, and the, the light shone, shined from them from within. Um, I had another experience uh, with beings like this in my house uh, when I told you about the uh, big owl mm-hmm. outside in the driveway. Yep. There was another night that I woke up, and uh, I... Something told me to go into the living room, so I got out of bed, went into the living room, and these three beings appeared, and they were gold-colored. They were almost transparent, and but they were they were all females. I could sense this. They were probably about oh seven and a half foot tall, something like that. They were standing in my living room. I got eight foot tall ceilings. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they're about seven and a half foot tall. And they uh, were all enveloped in a light, a gold colored light, just like the beings in the uh, dream I had. And... Uh, these beings told me that they were called Centauris. <laughs> they were from Centauri. Okay. And that uh, they come to Earth to marry humans to help them ascend. And what I mean by marry, I'm not talking about man and wife. I'm talking about souls combining and um and that's their purpose and um and after a while they disappeared and then I went back to bed <laughs> but these beings were like that were almost identical uh there was nothing rough about them they had uh they had no hair they were ball headed uh as in both and uh they, it looked like they were wearing robes, but like I say, you could see through them, <laughs> and there was a light 
that emitted from inside of them. And um, they were very beautiful. And the feeling of love was just, it would almost knock me out. And that's just like in the dream with Jesus and those light beings. The feeling of love was just so overwhelming. It was almost unbearable. <laughs> yeah, and that and that shows up obviously in uh, in the uh, UFO contact literature as well as in the near death experience right. literature. And I've heard some people actually say they were angry because they felt they were being manipulated when they've been confronted by this. I guess angry afterward. I don't think they would in the moment that they felt like they were being manipulated somehow. That this that this love sensation was um uh, yeah like it like presented to them or or they were like they were influenced by an outside source to feel exactly that and um, yeah. i have never felt that okay. uh, i felt love but i never felt like i was manipulated i almost feel to me it felt more like a gift like a um um like they were giving me something that I needed to help ascend me mm -hmm. off this planet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I still think this planet and our life here, uh, I go along, I think along the same lines as Dolores Cannon. I think this is a school, it's a preparation area or realm uh, before you actually ascend, mm -hmm. oh, gosh, I hope I'm saying this right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's how that's mm -hmm. a, every tradition would have different vocabulary, right. I'm certain. But yeah, I've read a lot of Dolores Cannon. I'm very familiar with her work. So, and um, and the lessons here to learn. Yes, I mean, so this we're placed here in this extremely challenging physical realm with pain and grief and sorrow and at the same time there's beautiful things like i mean mm -hmm. the power of a gorgeous sunset or the power of a of a close friendship is these are remarkable things that yeah. transcend those darker moments for sure yeah well like i said before everything is related everything is relative to one another in this oh, i don't know what what word i'm looking for like here in these experiences okay um because, okay, I have the experiences with LB and the other entities, and they really don't say where they're from. And I just always used to assume they was alien. But I'm actually believing now they're more interdimensional than uh, alien. Like alien meaning from another planet. They're... Yeah, when I say alien, I'm talking about like from Alpha Centauri or someplace yeah. like that. Um, interdimensional, they're just, they're right here, but just on another vibrational plane. Mm -hmm. And uh, but they have these entities have guided me into another dimension through an OBE, out-of-body experience, the same entities that abducted me. 
they even guided me to through an OBE to the uh, afterlife where I met my mom. Yeah, we talked about that. Was at the summation of the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's why I say it's all it's all related. Um, and in this other realm uh, that they took me to, it was one of the lower uh, planes between this life and the afterlife. And it was just a solid gray uh, void. That's all it was. There was no up, no down. There was no floor, no walls, nothing. It was just like in a thick gray fog. And you said it was down. Do you feel it was underground or below or it was as opposed to being up? No, no. When I say down, there was okay. no solid surface that you could see. But yet, it felt like you were standing there. But um, actually, I, you know, I, I couldn't have been standing there. Because I was in a, uh, I wasn't in a body. I was in a, uh, I was more like consciousness, <laughs> uh, void of a body. And, uh, oh boy. And it just, uh, and I met these, the same entities that have taken me between 2008 and 2010 were there and they were showing me a, a device that I think I've talked about this before. It was a device that they used to dimension hop, to transverse the different dimensions. Not the craft itself you talked about. No, no, this isn't a craft. This is a device that they showed me. And what it was was a disc about maybe oh, 10 feet in diameter and it was sitting on a pedestal, and it had a beam of light about a foot in diameter, eight inches to a foot in diameter, somewhere along in there, and it just looked like it went up out of this device, and it just looked like it just went forever. It went up into the uh, the gray, and it just got dimmer and dimmer, and then you couldn't see it anymore. <laughs> wow, okay. No, you hadn't talked about that before, so... Oh, I had okay. okay, I thought I did. Yeah, you talked about the the craft, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they told me this is how they travel the vast distances of the universe, that they cannot go from point A to point B. It It would take too long. They have to uh, transverse the dimensions to get there in, a, in such a short amount of time. <laughs> so these experiences all took place, I guess, leading up to now. And, and what's, what's been going on presently for you? Uh, after the encounter where I flew the ship and they told me what my purpose was, where I had to, well, I didn't have to, but where I was going to transport chosen humans to another dimensional Earth. From that point, uh, I started having um, dreams 
this is when the animal dreams really started manifesting for me. <laughs> uh, wolf in in particular. Mm-hmm. I'd have these dreams with with a wolf, and he would always be in my face. <laughs> and it, this went on, and then in the one dream, I actually asked him who he was, and he told me that it was Elby, mm-hmm. that uh, he would come to me as an animal, most likely a wolf, but sometimes a deer or whatever. And this is how he would contact me in the future. Because he said my the side of me is, is uh, you're having a difficult time with how I actually look. Mm-hmm. And he says this will be much easier for you to see me as a deer or a wolf or whatever. And so I've been having these dreams with him. And I've been having these dreams of being different animals and stuff. And yeah. it's just, it, they're fascinating. I love them. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. This sounds like the like if you were a shaman, right, living in the jungles of Peru or like in a teepee out in South Dakota 300 years ago or even now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these are the kinds of things that would be normal for for the village shaman to have dreams of being an animal or to have these visionary experiences right. and to be taken to other realms, too. And then also, um, I've been reading a lot about shamanism lately. And one of the things that's often talked about is this underworld, this cave experience. And that's why I asked about that when you said the gray realm, like if that was underground, because oh. that's a very common motif within the shaman's, the shamanic journey. I have, uh, yeah, when I talk about down in this uh, other dimension, uh, I'm referring to the ground, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's no no down, there's no ground to stand on that mm-hmm. you can see. It's just gray in all directions. <laughs> okay. And uh, But, yeah, I've never had any experiences being underground. Except with you met when you you went to the visit the the Bigfoot you went to a cave, yeah yeah went that time, and there was one other time. There's a a friend of mine that lives up in northern Utah, and she does. Uh, uh, I call it astral traveling, but she doesn't call it that. She calls it uh, mind travel. And we did a big group session at her house, <laughs> and we wanted to go see the uh, underground civilization, if there was one. And we all started to meditate. We all closed our eyes and was trying to get into this um, altered state. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I find myself in this, it looks like a big, huge cavern. And there's what looks like uh, stone buildings, kind of like, kind of looks like uh, Indian stone dwellings. Mm -hmm. And these are underground. There's ladders going up to different windows and doors. But I'm the only one there. There's no other people there. It's it's almost like it's uh, abandoned. 
and I'm walking around. I'm trying to find the other people in this <laughs> group session, and I can't find anybody. And uh, so after walking around a while, I just bring myself out of it and wake up and and I'm waiting for everybody else in this group session to wake up and they were telling me what they saw and there was only three of us out of like seven that actually went to this place (laughs) and the others just couldn't do it the other four so the other people had a shared visionary experience you all had the same experience right yeah, we all had a shared. Mm-hmm. And what was in the realm? There was the the other two um, that succeeded in going there. They met up with each other, but I couldn't find them. And they described the same exact place <laughs> that I was at. But uh, it was it was pretty fascinating. And I, I didn't think anybody could share the same vision, but uh, apparently I guess it works. I guess it's possible. Well, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, any other UFO-type sightings recently? Uh, yes. Oh, gosh, UFO sightings galore. Recently? Uh, yeah. Back when I started having these encounters with uh, in 2008, uh, I started... And this uh, big, it's like a big giant sphere, translucent sphere that shines from within. It reminds me of a big giant light bulb. (laughs) And I started seeing this thing all the time. One time, oh, I would see it at my house, at uh, my other house, when I used to live in Price. Uh, I would go out, uh, I, one time I went over to, uh, Manti to visit a friend of mine and on the way back, I come up, uh, Fairview Canyon and up over the top of Huntington Canyon. And as I'm driving along down by Electric Lake Dam, I notice off to the left of me, there's a big white light and this light is in the shape of a circle or a sphere and it's pacing me it's not going any faster or any slower than me it's going same speed and it's just slowly moving along and it goes behind the mountain then it comes back out the other side and it's going along near the top of the mountains and so I pulled off at the dam and I'm watching this and it stops And so I said, you know, I could probably see this better if I go back up to the top. So I turned the truck around, and I took off back up to the top to the summit. And when I got up there, I couldn't find it. And other times at my house when I was living in Price, uh, I had a uh, premonition to go out onto the back porch. And uh, so I did. I went out there, and there was this big translucent white UFO. It's just slowly moving towards my house from the east, going west. And as soon as it gets overhead, 
two little ones come off of it, and then they shoot out and disappear. And then the big one just keeps going west until it disappears over the mountain. Well, that same night, I had an abduction with Elvie, the entity. Mm -hmm. Is that one we've talked about? Yeah. Yeah, it was, that's one of the experiences okay. we talked about, but I didn't mention the UFO. I that's very common that people will see one earlier in the day or hours before yeah. and then and then have a contact experience at night. It's kind of like, I don't know how to say it, it's like a little little heads up, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like a uh, uh, the welcome mat being yeah. set out for you. <laughs> and other nights, uh, another time. I went out on the back porch, and there was another one coming from the east, coming towards the house. And it looks, it gets real close to my property, and then it just makes a sharp 90-degree turn and goes straight down and disappears behind some houses. And uh, another time, uh, when I moved up here to East Carbon, uh, my neighbor would come over. And uh, he had experiences like mine. Now, is he still living there, your neighbor? No, he died. He died okay. right after I moved here. Okay. Because I remember you talking about this when I was there back in 2000 and probably 2011 or so, 11 or 12. Yeah. And so, anyways, we would sit out on the front porch and uh, talk. You know, he had asked me questions. Because, like I said, he uh, was having experiences like mine and he told me that I, I scared the hell out of him since I moved in here and but anyways I'll get into that a little later okay but uh, we're sitting on the porch one night and this big sphere UFO coming towards us from the uh, it'd be like from the northeast and it comes right directly over us and then it stops and the thing starts to pulsate and then it's like it gets real 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 bright and then it just goes out and what did it look like, like was it a it was the same the same ufo okay it was like a, a white translucent white sphere okay gotcha and another time we're sitting out on the porch and I, over, just outside of town, there's an old uh, abandoned railroad depot. And about where that was, it was about a mile from where the house is. And I was watching this big sphere. It was the same UFO, <laughs> slowly ascending up into the cloud. And it uh, goes into the cloud but it never comes out, and I never saw it anymore after that. But uh, another time in Price, in 2010, when I was living in Price, I had a premonition. This was right after my mom died, to grab my camera and get outside. And, I mean, it was like somebody screaming this in my mind. So I grabbed my camera, and I went outside, and I saw this sphere, <laughs> same UFO, moving along the sky and it's moving pretty quick so i got my camera and i hurried up turned it on 
and I just barely had enough time to poke it up into the air, and I just took a picture. I didn't even look through the viewfinder. I just stuck it up there and took a picture. And luckily, I got it. I got a real good one and a telephone pole in the in with it. Oh, I would love to see that. Oh, I'll send it to you. Great. And uh, it, it was weird. It was like a. Uh, it was almost like a uh, an invitation. Is what it felt like. And uh, another time, I had a. Uh, I was, uh, I got a job when I was living in Price for the, one of the car dealers, and I would drive cars to and back from the Salt Lake Auto Auction. <laughs> and so this one trip, I picked up my car at the auction, and I came back, and I started up Spanish Fork Canyon. You, you know where that is, don't you? I think you? so, Yeah. Yeah. It's right out of Spanish Fork, heading towards Price on uh, Highway 6 mm-hmm. and 50. But uh, anyways, I'm, I'm heading up. I'm driving along about 70 mile an hour, you know, and I get to Billy's Mountain. And on the other side of Billy's Mountain, I notice there's something flying above the uh, mountaintops. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, you know, airplane, I just kept on driving didn't think about it so i got up the road about another five miles or so and then i just glanced off to the left of me and i saw it again and i started looking at it and i said huh that's not an airplane what the hell is that so i'm driving along now instead of uh focusing on my driving i'm watching this thing (laughs) pace me on the from the mountaintops to my left and boy, I really I had to really be careful because I mean I was driving off the, onto the shoulder yeah. and doing all kinds <laughs> of bad things. <laughs> and so I get going up uh, the the canyon towards Soldier Summit, and this thing is still off to the left of me. It's not going any faster, and it's not going any slower. It's pacing me, and I'm watching this thing, and I'm looking at it. And it's it's a rectangular box. It, it's white in color, and it's uh, got a big black dot on the one side, a big black circle. So just a rectangular box. There's no wings. There's just no a re- okay. No wings. Nothing. Just a rectangular box. Um, I don't remember seeing any windows in it or anything. There could have been, but. Uh, I was just looking at the general shape. I couldn't look at it very long because I was driving along about 70 miles an hour. I didn't want to kill myself. So as I go up towards coming into Soldier Summit, I drove through the little town and started down the other side, and it's still over there at the top of the mountains, just slowly moving along, following me pacing me, and I said, I'm going to stop off at Schofield Junction, and I'm going to grab my camera. I had my camera there, but I couldn't take a picture while I was driving, and as soon as I get to the junction, I'm going to pull over and stop, and sure enough, 
I got to the junction. It was probably another four miles from where I was at. I pulled off the side of the road, stopped, and it stopped. It didn't move me. It just stayed stationary. And so I grabbed my camera, opened the door, and as soon as I stepped out of the car, the thing started moving back from the direction that it was following me from. And then just like a light switch, it was gone. <laughs> I didn't even have time enough to get the camera up. <laughs> wow. That is very common. That's very common that it seems like these these uh, craft can sense your thoughts and your intentions. Yeah. And another time, I may have told you this before, the last time I saw you at the IUFOT conference, mm -hmm. did I mention anything about seeing a UFO? No, I don't remember. Okay, maybe I did. I mean, everyone tells you about seeing a UFO when you go to a UFO conference, but uh, but was it at yeah. the conference itself? No, no, this was on the way to the conference. Okay. Uh, I, when I would go to... Uh, uh, it was the IUFOC conference, but it was the one in uh, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. But anyways, uh, as I would go there, I would take Highway 89 from Kanab. Oh, yeah, I love Highway 89. I love Highway I used to live on Highway 89 when I lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I lived right off Highway 89. Oh, so it okay. goes, goes all the way up to Canada and all the way down to Mexico, yep. Okay, well, when I got to, just before I got to Cameron, Cameron, uh, Arizona, mm -hmm. okay, if you look off to the left, you're, as you're traveling down 89, you're looking off into the direction of the Hopi Indian Reservation. Yep. Okay, well, there was an object in the sky out there towards the reservation, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's just an airplane. I'm driving along, driving along, but it never moves. It just stays stationary. It's like a, uh, oh, like an oval in the, on about a 45-degree angle. Okay. And it's uh, just sitting there, not moving. I'm driving along, and... I wanted to pull off the side of the road and look at it, but there was a big, long line of traffic behind me, and there was really no place to pull off. I didn't want to drive into the bar ditch because I didn't think I'd get back out of it. And I'm driving along, and I'm just watching this thing, and it's not moving. I said, that's a UFO. Uh, so I, I, I go through Cameron, and on the other side of Cameron, I found a place where I could pull over. And... Just before I pulled over, I said, man, I wish that thing would come closer so I could see it better. And it started to get bigger. It was coming towards me, right, as soon as I thought that. And it got pretty big, and it was a classic UFO uh, disc with a dome on top. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching, and then stayed there for a minute, and then it went back <laughs> to where originally was and just stayed there so i found this pull out and i pulled in there got my camera out as soon as i put my camera up there and looked into the viewfinder it just it was gone it just blinked out <laughs> huh. 
I have a story about driving to a UFO conference and seeing a UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on my way to Providence, Rhode Island. I was with my partner, Andrea. Mm-hmm. And we were driving in her car. And I was driving. She was in the passenger seat. And as we were approaching Providence, driving south, uh, kind of southeast, I guess, it was late in the afternoon and it was a little bit cloudy. And I looked up and it seemed like one cloud, like one section of one cloud was unusually dark. And this is driving mm. in traffic. This isn't like a major, I guess it's a major highway, but it's not like a big wide interstate. It's like a, right. you know, uh, as we're approaching the urban area. So we're kind of twisting and turning and we'd be in the trees for a little while and then we'd come out of the trees and we get to see it again. And it and she saw it too when we both saw it at the same time. Like, what is that? Hmm. And it looked like, um, I'm guessing it would probably be about the size of a billboard. Mm-hmm. But imagine like a like a, if you held a playing card in your hand, right? And you and right. you twisted it, right? So you'd see the whole face of it. And if you twisted it, it felt like it was getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. If it was just a gray playing card or like a, a little piece of cardstock that was gray. Hmm. And you twisted it and you finally got to the sideways view. It would almost look like it disappears. Like blink, disappears. So this felt like a twisting piece of of like billboard it wasn't real rectangular shape it was kind of um mm-hmm. a little irregularly shaped so it would just kind of twist and disappear yeah. and then reappear because you were just as if it was so thin that you couldn't see it when it was at that sideways wow. view and now this was we are approaching airport some sort of airport is out there because we're seeing planes flying back and forth so if someone's got like a mm-hmm. balloon or something like that it's the worst place in the world to fly a balloon because it's right near an airport so it was like right. who would who would put this up there? What is this thing? And it wasn't moving like a balloon. It had this mm-hmm. very sort of steady rotation. At the same time, we were driving, and Andrew was trying to take pictures that we never got a picture of it because, you know, you'd kind of see it, and then you'd turn a corner, and then you'd come out of the trees again, and there it was. Right. And then it felt like we were getting a little bit closer, and I kid you not, there was a dot in the sky. Like if, you, if I was to draw this on a piece of paper, right, I would draw sort of a rectangular shape, and then above mm-hmm. it, about, about um, the length of the rectangular shape, was a single mm-hmm. dot and it looked oh, like wow. it looked like someone put a pin in the sky like if the if the sky was not a sky if it was like a bulletin board they put a pin hmm. on the sky and the card was held by like a invisible spider web thread and slightly turning around really? and then we turned a couple more times we never saw it again I'll be darn I had a another one that this is a really good good one. I wish I could have got a picture of it though. But I had two witnesses that saw it along with me. And um uh, a friend of mine, he's a uh, Baptist minister and he's one of the local ministers in the Price area. And uh, he was over at my house and he was trying to proselyte me into joining the Baptist church. <laughs> and this is like about 10:30 at night and we're out parked in front of the house and I'm towards the front of the car and I got my shoulder laying on the roof, my elbow kind of propping my head up and he's doing the same thing but looking at me from the rear of the car and we're discussing religion and while we're talking 
I noticed this green glow coming towards the house. And I'm talking, and I've got my eyeballs turned watching this thing. And it's coming closer. And it looks like a big, giant bullet. It's uh, enveloped in a green glow, and it has what looks like a yellow contrail going out behind it, going way off into the distance. And as it gets closer, there's a, looks like a, a porthole window in the side of it. And I'm watching this thing, and it's moving very slowly, just maybe a half a mile an hour, just barely moving. And it's up above the house, I'm going to guess maybe 20, 25 feet. And it's coming between my house and the neighbor's house down our driveway. And as it gets real close, I can see there's something, some kind of a beam inside of this. And I'm watching it, and the inside is uh, lit up, real bright white. But the outside is like in a green glow. But yet, when you're looking through this glow, you can see the white light. It's not a green colored light. It's just white. And as it gets closer, there's there's a uh, dark brown beam in there. And then all of a sudden, real quick, it moves like real fast. And then it's right at the window, looking out that round porthole window. And he makes eye contact with me. Whoa, whoa, you're that close you could actually see its eyes. Yes, I can see is, his eyes. This is full waking. Was, you're not you're not in a dream realm. You're not No. Okay. No, no. We're outside I'm outside talking to a friend of mine. And he sees it too. No, he didn't see it at that time. And I'll just hit the top of his car and I said, Turn around and look and I pointed. <laughs> and he as soon as he turned around the thing just blinked out and was gone. Did he get any view and of it? And he turned What's that? Did he get any view of it? He, he saw it. I know he saw it because he turned back around to me and he says, Ron, he says, I don't believe in things like this. I don't want nothing to do with things like this. <laughs> don't, I don't want to talk about things like this. And he says, I got to go. <laughs> and uh, he got in his car and left. I know he saw it. <laughs> And uh, the next day, I was talking to uh, one of the neighbors down at the end of the street, and she was out on her porch and saw it. <laughs> and the first thing that came to mind, and this this happened while I was having these encounters with LB, mm-hmm. and that's who I think it was, because that's the first thing that came into my mind was LB okay. was coming to pay a visit. And... Right after that, I took a trip to uh, Seattle, Washington, and on the way back, I was on uh, Interstate 84 between uh, Boise and Mountain Home, Idaho. Yep. And I'm just coming, I'm probably three or four miles from Mountain Home, and I'm in my truck, uh, and I'm buzzing along about 90 mile an hour on the freeway. This is like 1, 1 a.m. in the morning. Okay. I was the only one on the freeway. Yeah, it's very quiet there. I know it well, that section, yeah. 
And uh, all of a sudden, I noticed something off to the left of me, and I turned and looked, and it's this same bullet-shaped craft with the porthole window and somebody sitting inside with the same green, green glow and the same contrail behind it. But it's just on the other side of the freeway, and it's right beside me. It's like it's racing me. <laughs> it's not going any faster, and it's not going any slower. We're going along, going along, and I had my camera there, but I had to stop and get it set up to take a night picture. And so I just hit the brakes, and I pulled over under the shoulder and started to slow down. And this thing, it just makes an abrupt, sharp, 90-degree turn and heads out towards the mountains and then disappears and blinks out. And again, and then when I got back, some friends of mine that we do ghost hunting with all together with, he came down, and we were going to go out to uh, the kids' ghost town cemetery and do some EVPs. And we're out there, and him and his wife is at one end of the cemetery, and I'm at the other end. And all of a sudden, I see this green light come over the mountain. And it's this bullet-shaped craft, the same one. And it's moving, it's moving a little faster this time, but it's moving across the sky. And I'm yelling and screaming at uh, Derek and Christina to turn around, turn around and look, and I'm pointing in the air. And they're just sitting there waving at me. <laughs> And I yell and turn around, turn around, look, look, you know. And uh, they never did turn around. They started walking towards me, and then it went all the way across to the next horizon and then disappeared. And he walked over and he said, "What's the matter?" And I said, well, "I was trying to get you. It was a UFO going across the sky. I wanted you to see it. It was like it didn't want them to see it. It was only meant for me." Do you think they were? Do you think they were somehow? I'm cautious to say this. Somehow mind controlled not to turn around. Yeah, that, I I think so because they weren't that far from me and they could hear me yelling. I know they could hear me telling mm -hmm. them turn around, look. And he would normally do that. I don't know why he didn't. Okay. Well, one thought is that it could be some sort of you know they could be yeah. influenced somehow by the craft itself or by the energy of the craft. Yeah. Yeah. And then here about three years ago, I was coming back from Price up here to East Carbon. And it's at night. It's probably about 8, 9 o'clock at night. And I just turned on to Highway 123 and was heading up. And I noticed there was a big green light. And it, there was something in the light, but I couldn't tell what it was. It was sitting up on top of the mountain wasn't on the mountain it was above the mountain <laughs> it wasn't on the ground and i followed that thing all the way home and just before i went into uh east carbon i looked over towards the mountain where it was at and it was gone and i i not exactly sure if it was the same ufo but i i think it was i'm pretty sure it was and 
And what's the flavor or the mood of the contact experiences now? Or, the, or where do you think you're at in all of this? I think everything is over with. Uh, what I'm supposed to do or, or, you know, the purpose. And the contact I'm having now is more like an observation. It's like one night I was in the living room and uh, these little, this little being appears like a little miniature gray. Uh, it's about a foot and a half tall, appeared in the house. Okay. Uh, it wasn't there very long, and then it was gone. And, now, was it, it physically there? Were you seeing like an astral projection, or what were you seeing? It looked physical, but it could have been a uh, a holographic image. I don't know. Okay. Okay, just but wondering. It looked, it looked solid, and it looked real, and it was standing in the middle of my living room watching me. And then, it, then all of a sudden it just disappeared. And another time, I was in the kitchen, and usually when I'm here by myself, I'll put a, a movie on just for just so I could have sound in the house. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I'm doing the dishes, and I don't know, uh, I just stopped doing the dishes, and I turned and walked into the living room, and there in the middle of my living room, okay, you've been to my house sure, here twice, yep. yep. or I'm not priced, but uh, East Carbon here. Yep. Okay, right where my couch is, <laughs> right in front of the couch, <laughs> there was this big, tall reptilian standing there. And his head, it had to have been close to eight feet tall because his head was right up against the ceiling. And it was wearing a... Uh, uh, high collared cloak, mm-hmm. or uh, oh, I don't know. I guess that's what it's called—a cloak, mm-hmm. kind of a. And it had a uh, great big gold-colored medallion around its neck, hanging down, uh, with a big red stone in the middle of it. <laughs> And it was there, and I the the feeling of love hit me so hard, I thought I was going to pass out. And uh, it was there, and it was just looking at me. It had yellow eyes uh, with the elongated pupils, mm-hmm. like a reptilian. Yep. And uh, then it just slowly disappeared. It didn't just blink out it just this one slowly disappeared and uh, another time I had another time I had got up off the couch I had the TV on this was at night walked into started to walk into the uh, kitchen and as I got to the kitchen door there was three flashes of blue light come from my back service porch where the washer and dryer is and these lights just shot right at me and hit me right into in my face three of them one after another and so I'm thinking what the heck just happened 
and uh, I noticed there was a uh, uh, what looked like a shadow person standing in the doorway that went into the uh, service porch mm-hmm. from the kitchen. And I could see this image of a shadow of a person standing there watching me. And then it just like takes a step off to the side of the door and I can't see it anymore. And so my heart's sitting there beating <laughs> from watching this. And I was thinking, Gus, Lord, what what's going on? Is there something wrong with my electricity or, or what? What's going on? And I'm thinking to myself. So I very slowly walked through the kitchen, poked my head around the corner, but then never saw anything. So I went back into the living room and uh, laid, laid down on the uh, floor. And I was going to finish watching the movie that was on, that I had on the uh, TV. And as I'm laying there, I get a real strong feeling of somebody watching me, real strong. And so I slowly turn my head around and look off towards where my bathroom is. Mm-hmm. And there's a little short hallway going to my bedroom. And I could see this little head kind of poking around the corner. And I think to myself, oh, God, no, not again. You know? <laughs> and how big is the little head? It's probably the oh god how it's probably about the size of a softball. Oh, tiny then. Okay, much tinier than. Yeah, that. it's tiny. This thing's only about a foot and a half tall. We talked about this very little, okay. We talked about this very briefly in, in the last episode, but keep going. It had a one of its hands on the edge of the wall, and it was and it was peeking around the corner. It had slanted eyes. It had uh, the cranium was about the size of a softball, but it was it had a chin, a small chin. It looked like a gray. It was the same one I saw that was in the living room standing watching me. And it stood there and looked at me. It looked just like a little gray, like a miniature gray. <laughs> and then it moved its head back, and I got up, and I slowly went over to the uh, towards the bathroom, and I poked my head around the corner and then didn't see it, went into my bedroom, never saw it again after that. But it's like they're, they're observing me, so I, it's like they, I'm assuming it's they're just keeping an eye on me, okay. seeing if I'm all right or whatever the only thing I can think of because there doesn't seem to be any purpose to them. It's just like they're observing me. And it's interesting because I've actually, I was in your house and you told me that exact story and I didn't realize yeah. it was so small that the, the being, yeah. you might yeah, have told was, me and, and oh. that was a few years ago and I remembered it being a little bit taller. Yeah. That's remarkable. Like a little, yeah. a little fairy or a little. Yeah. Wolf. It was about a foot and a half tall about that. Wow. Yeah. I had a person tell me he was hiking in the wind river range of Wyoming mm-hmm. And he uh, he didn't give me permission to tell me the story initially. He has since given me permission to tell the story. And um, I knew exactly where he was. It was a spot in the the backcountry of, of the Wind River Range. He was with a team mm-hmm. of uh, campers. 
and he was way out ahead and he realized he had to, he hiked farther than the people behind him. So he said, oh, I just need to stop and wait for a minute or two and they'll catch up. So he's standing there alone and he does this, turns completely around, like totally around, makes a 360 turn. And then when he faces forward again, there's a little, he called it a brownie, a little person mm. on the trail. Yeah. And, and it was, he said it was about 18 inches tall. And he said it had kind of brownish skin, like it was old. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a little leprechaun or a little fairy. Oh, wow. And he said it was close enough to see the stitches in its, like what looked like homemade clothes. Yeah. Oh, and, really? Yeah. So it had this, it didn't have like an alien vibe to it. It had like a little person, like a little fairy or a little, There in the tradition of the Shoshone and the Crow Nations that are right. sort of surrounding that area. Yeah. There's the little people are, that's part of their lore. And, and he saw this thing and he said it was totally frozen staring at him. Like it had stopped completely still. And it had this expression on his face, on its little face, like, you know, oops, busted. Like he caught me. <laughs> and, and he said they looked at each other for a second. And he said he put his hand up and waved at it like, hello, like it was close. Like he kind of yeah. slowly put his hand up and went, uh, hi. And this thing walked off the trail and walked into the, to the bushes and he lost sight of it. Mm. And he walked up on the trail and the trail is sandy right there. In the sand were these tiny little, what looked like little moccasin prints. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know why I did it. I took my boot and I just smeared the prints away. Oh, I know. Maybe he, wanted him to do that yeah i mean it could have been some sort of mm. some sort of uh you know mind control projection into him so. yeah huh. hey this is mike and i am chiming in during the editing there's one detail i want to add to this story when i talked to the witness uh the fellow who had talked about seeing the little person on the trail one of the questions i asked him was what were you thinking in the moments before you saw the little person? Now, remember, he had talked about that he had stopped in the trail and did a slow 360-degree turn. And what he said to me was, he said, I did this turn, this slow turn, looking at all the beauty around me, and I was in this place of total wonder and appreciation of the moment and the place I was in. He said, I loved it. I loved the place I was in, and I truly appreciated it. And then he turned around and faced the trail, and that's when he saw the little person. Now, this detail means a lot to me. The fact that this person was in a genuine place of wonder and appreciation, and that was when he saw what I can only call a magical being. Okay, let's get back to the interview with Ron. And have you spent any time at, you know, have you ever been to the, um, uh, over by Roosevelt near the, uh, um, Oh, Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch, yeah. Yeah, many times I've been over there at night. Uh, when you could drive up to the gate, but now you can't. They won't let you drive up there. They'll get you for trespassing. And any experiences there? Any sense there? Uh... Other than weird lights in the tree, that's the only experiences I've had there. And I I was going there quite regularly, and I was there one night, I think it was like about 3 in the morning, 3 a.m., 
and I was up on top of the ridge parked at the reservoir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching towards the Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> and a uh, four um, uh, reservation police officers show up. <laughs> And they asked me, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just sitting here waiting for sun for uh, sunrise so I can get a picture of the sunrise. And I'm thinking, they're not going to buy this. And sure enough, they says, look, Ron, they says, we know who you are. <laughs> wow, really? And we know what you're here for. So he says, have you got a tribal permit to be here on the on this property? I go, no. And he says, get you a tribal permit if you're going to come back here or we we can arrest you for trespassing. <laughs> and they, so they were, they knew from your license plate somehow? They ran your license yeah. plate? Yeah, they ran my plates and they said, we know, we know who you are. <laughs> well, <laughs> like you were on the special list of like, <laughs> what is your sense? What's that? What is your sense when they said they know? Uh, that, yeah, it's like when I go to Area 51 uh, I think they know who I am. <laughs> and when have you gone to Area Fifty One? This is you're you're jumping to all the hot spots here. You got uh, Skinwalker oh, Ranch. I've and... been to Area. Yeah, I've been to Area Fifty One three or four times. Just going over there up to the the gate and you know taking pictures and you know just being there. But then I had a real bad vibe the last time I was there that I shouldn't do this. Uh, somebody with the experiences I've had. Uh, just probably not a very, very smart thing to do going going by yourself to mm-hmm. the gate of Area 51, that, you know. And I just figure it's probably not a good idea to go out there alone. <laughs> yeah. And um, so how are you doing right now? Do you feel like there's any other stories you need to tell? Uh... That that's pretty much it in a nutshell, other than you know dreams and stuff like that. So so like where so this big long lifetime of challenging experiences, scary experiences, benevolent experiences, and 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 all of it. What's your what's your sense now? I don't know. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure what's been going on, but I do feel like that there there was a purpose of this all happening. And at the beginning, uh, that purpose was uh, uh, hybridization. I believe that was the purpose. And all this other stuff that happened after the uh, hybridization phase, um, when it became more conscious, more spiritual, I think them were more um, more like of a reward. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Um, kind of like, okay, you've done what you're supposed to do, so we're going to let you experience um, 
experience this stuff. And fly know. the ship, yeah. And fly the ship. and But uh, I just don't know. Like flying the ship, uh, at the time I, I was doing ghost hunting, and we were trying to get spirits to move on. And I'm the flying the ship, taking humans to another dimensional earth. Do I take that literally, or do I take it um, uh, as like a symbolism mm-hmm. or something? Metaphorically, I, I just don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Because that's kind of what I'm doing when I ghost hunt. I'm trying to take it these spirits trapped here on earth to move on to the spirit world. How interesting, because you told both of those accounts on a previous episode, both, you know, the the ghost hunting and that, uh, the one remarkable event where you saw the orb come up out of the ground. Oh, yeah. And, and then also the, the, the reason for traveling on the ship, I never would have put that together, but I, you know, this is what I've run into where like you, you have these experiences some of them can be seen as literal. Some of them can be seen as metaphoric. Some of them are blurry in the mm-hmm. middle, and you don't know which is which. And yeah, and that, and they're real vague. They don't. I've asked them how I don't know how many times. What's going on? What's my purpose? And blah blah this and that. But it uh, it's it's always vague answers. It's for, they don't want you to know exactly what's going on. Just the bare essentials. (laughs) Now, I may have asked you this in another episode. I honestly don't remember now. But as far as I'm going to ask you a question, sort of one to ten, how would you rate your sense of mission? Probably uh, five. Okay. Oh, that's good to hear. Okay. You know, what's funny, I ask that of a lot of people, and I don't ask what the mission is. Everyone is just like, you know, oh, I feel so drawn. I've had many people answer 11 when I ask that 1 to 10 question on their oh, sense of really? mission. Yeah, people are pretty fired up. Some people are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's very interesting. No, I'm answering that from the premise that uh, I don't really know 100% what's going on. As, and neither do they, yeah. So, But at the same yeah. time, they feel drawn to, to, like, as if they're, like, need to do something. Um, yeah. And then they don't quite know what it is. It's very common now, among, among I people. I feel like I'm, I'm to do this and not to worry about it. And I get people telling me, well, these entities you're seeing are demons, and you're going to go to hell and all this stuff. And I'm sorry, I just... I don't believe that. I think some of them are might be demonic, but I'm not really that sure of it. It's just everything is just basically speculation. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's tough. It's tough because you have to, like, we're confronted with these little bits and pieces of a story. We want to put all the puzzle pieces together. They don't always fit together. So you're forced yeah. to speculate. You're forced to guess. You're forced to take your best guess. And I'm certain most of the time the speculation is probably wrong. Mm. You know, and I I want to you know I want to keep it as truthful as I can. I don't want to if I speculate on anything I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah, and I try to do that too. I had a friend Mac Tony's, yeah. and he was wonderful about if he was speculating, 
he would he would like stop the sentence and say, I'm speculating now. And then he would speculate yeah. about something. And then at the end, he said, OK, I'm done speculating. And that was like the most valuable lesson I ever had as far as that was very early on as I was stepping into this field. Like, it's OK yeah. to speculate, but some people do it and it's a little shifty or it's a little like murky. Yeah. They kind of they, <laughs> you know, like the people who say they point to the sky and say, oh, that's a, a, a light beam shipped from the Pleiades. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a really interesting light in the sky. But you know how do you know that and i'm very cautious of that kind of thing i am too i i got pictures of uh odd things in the sky i got one i took up here on top of the mountain above east carbon here up on bruin point and there was i was up taking pictures of contrails because there was contrails zipping across the sky and i wanted to see if i'd catch something in one of them and sure enough i did but I didn't have a movie camera with me. All I had was my uh, 35 millimeter. And uh, there was this, it looked like four big bubbles stuck together. And it was right next to the contrail. And it was moving. And you could see it moving. And it was just following the contrail except for it was in the opposite direction that the plane was going. But it never crisscrossed through it. It just paralleled it. And then when it got way down close to where I was, and I could see this with my naked eye, and I got I got a ton of pictures of it. And uh, I've been showing it to people, and I said, I got this as a, UFO because I don't know what it is. It doesn't look like anything that I have seen before, airplane or helicopter or what. And there's, oh, that's just uh, somebody's party balloons that turned loose. Uh, I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. (laughs) Well, it's one thing to see a little picture where oftentimes the picture only shows a tiny little dot. And there's another thing entirely to see it in real life and see the, the motion it makes in the sky and such. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would have these uh, experiences that one night I was going over to visit some friends in Tuella, and I would always take the back road to Eagle and Stockton. And when I'd get to Merker, this was like, this would be like about midnight. I'd just say to heck with it, and I'd drive up to the cemetery and I'd pull over and go to sleep, wait till morning. <laughs> and this is weird. One night I did that and I went to sleep and something woke me up and I woke up and everything is so bright I can't see. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And I'm thinking, what the heck happened? You know? And uh, it was like that. It was exactly the same thing. It happened to me when I had that encounter in northern Utah by Woodruff, uh, right up there on the Idaho or uh, Wyoming state line with Utah. A big flash of light, and it was there for so long, and then it was gone. Except for I don't remember anything happening. Oh, and then marks these encounters I was having in. Uh, between 08 and 09, 
I would end up with uh, strange marks on my body. I'll have to send you pictures of them. Okay. And uh, the the one where they healed my back, uh, man, I had they had mark. I had marks on my shoulders and my feet, my thumb, <laughs> all kinds of places. And I I got some good pictures of them, so I'll have to get send them to you. Yes. Um. We've been collectively, this is the end of our fifth hour. Actually, it's much more than that because some of the episodes were about an hour and a half long. So I don't know how many hours we've actually had this conversation. It's probably getting to seven or eight hours at this point. Yeah. How, you know, how has it all been? How is it, you know, what's your, what I'm asking is, can you, is there a way to sum it up? You can say no, but is there a way to sum all this up? Hmm. I was thinking of that. I... Without knowing exactly what their purpose is, it's going to be hard to sum it up other than the best way I can sum it up is uh, I've had four stages of it, a beginning, a purpose, a kind of like a reward or a consciousness, Mm -hmm. and then an observation. It's like a uh, it's like a parallel life uh, alongside my regular life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the only way I can sum it up. <laughs> and that may be the only way you can sum it up. You know, I think that some people try to, you know, I don't know, become gurus or something like that after they've had these experiences. And I and I'm always reticent and wary of that and I yeah and and I I think we have to keep the question open you know you know ask better questions and we may never get answers but if we ask better questions and seek in the direction of those questions it's you know it's like I it's like living two lives (laughs) and I know what that's like and I feel like at this point like it's you've had many many more experiences than I have but for me it feels like I've at the point now I wouldn't have been able to say this a few years ago, where I feel like I'm much more at peace and I have better integrated those two parts of my life. And I'll tell you, I spent a yeah. long time ignoring, denying that that, yeah. that other side of my life. I did not want to deal with it. And I was I was forced to just by the you know, by the was by the synchronicities really that forced me to look into it. I at first it was real scary. I didn't like it. I would pray to God for it to stop. They just keep right on going, keep right on going. And finally, I told myself, I says, God's not going to help me. And then after so long after that, I started thinking, maybe this is related to God. Because I did, when I started, when I got into the 2000s, when I got into ghost hunting and researching paranormal stuff, mm-hmm. I got into, I still consider myself religious, but not not a fanatic. Uh, I would get into asking and praying to see the mysteries of God. (laughs) And this stuff just kept kept coming. (laughs) 
Did it increase when you began these prayers? Uh, well, it did, but it also, that was the same time I started having experiences with LB, and I know it increased with them. But that's what makes me think that this is related also. Religion is, I don't care what anybody says, and I'll argue with anybody. Religion has part in this. I know it does. <laughs> not not the dogma that everybody hates. <laughs> Just the basic religion. You know, God, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, if the Star of Bethlehem is certainly sounds like a UFO to mm -hmm. me, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last week, I w we talked and I was wrung out by the time we got done talking last week. I was, mm -hmm. I was emotionally drained. And, and yeah. it was, that was a powerful, beautiful set of stories we, we collected. That's sort of two hours got, got, or two separate yeah. uh, episodes, uh, three and four got, were, were played out over the last couple of weeks. And now this would be the fifth episode. And it feels like, here, I'll just put this out to you. We should probably end it here. And I stepped into this having no idea how many episodes we would do. And if you, right. if anything comes up at any point, just give me a call. We'll do another little episode, even if it's just 15 oh, minutes. I can, I can tack it on to the end of another show or something. Because people have been responding remarkably well to your story. And, and I am so grateful because I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. So I'm right. relieved. And I, also, and I also want to make sure that... Um, that if you have something, something comes up, but just give me a call. We'll figure out a way to tack it on. Even if it's just 15 minutes or 10 minutes, we can we can plug it right into the you end bet. of another episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, uh, like I say, I really appreciate you allowing me to talk with you on this. Every All the other interviews I've ever done, uh, I've just talked about the experiences, nothing else, the dreams, nothing else that was related to it. So this one's a little more complete. <laughs> I, I agree. Well, I wanted it to be complete. I wanted to be wrung out at the end of this. I wanted to like, I wanted to like squeeze the dish rag and get every little drop out of it. And so I, I feel like we did a pretty good job. Right. So, uh, but yes. So again, I guess this is goodbye for, for this episode, the set of episodes, but please, please, please keep me updated if anything shows up and, and I will um, keep checking in with you and. Okay. And you're you're working on your book. I'm I'm yeah, still working on it. Well, keep working on it. I mean, it's a remarkable set of stories. So please make sure that that make that happen. Starting a book is easy. That's what I've learned. Starting a book is easy. Finishing a book is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more power to you. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna send good <laughs> vibes for you on this book project. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Good. Trying to get LB to come down and write it for me. <laughs> well, if they can send thought waves, maybe they can improve your typing. That's what my biggest flaw is. Oh, I have to be in the right frame of mind to get on this computer and start writing. I just, and it's hard to get into that frame of mind. You know, the best advice I had is if even if you write a paragraph a day, just write a little bit every yeah. day, even if just a few sentences. That's what I did the other night. I wrote one paragraph, and that was it, and I ended that's, it. That's plenty. Sometimes you, I've worked a whole day on a paragraph before just trying to get it right. So, Yeah. Well, uh, let me say it one more time. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for this, and I'm, and oh. I'm just honored to give you the chance to tell your story. Oh, I appreciate it, and I thank you very much for allowing me. 
You're, you're very welcome. It's, um, but I got the, the feeling that I'm supposed to be talking about this, so. I sensed that, and that was exactly the reason I, I urged you to come on. Okay. Okay. Bye for now. All right. Okay, we'll see you. We'll see you. Bye. Hey, this is Mike, and I am chiming in at the end after the editing. Now, what you just heard, our goodbye, um, that was sad for me. That was heartfelt and sad. I, I really felt a connection, and I really felt proud of these interviews, truly proud. Uh, what happened after we said our goodbye is something that happens actually a lot on these interviews, uh, you know, we said goodbye, and then I said, ooh, ooh, hold on, let's let's talk a little bit more. We talked a little bit more, and then Ron shared one more story. And and you can hear me say it. I'll, I'm going to plug it in in a second. I said, Ron, let's, let's play this. So we're going to hear one more story now, and then I will come back and formally end the interview. Here goes. Well, and I got to thinking about it. You know, that stuff that happened when I was a kid, um is important and there was one story I failed to that uh, I disappeared out of the house one time when I was three years old and oh, uh, oh what happened I'm still recording go ahead and oh I, I disappeared out of the house when I was three years old me and my sister and my brother we were sitting on the floor in the living room and I remember it was in the daytime. My sister and brother playing a game, and I'm watching them. Well, I was always we had this big front door that was had a big glass window in it. And I don't know why, but I was always fascinated as a kid. I'd go up there and get between the door and the blinds and cut my hands around my eyes and just stare out that window in the door and uh, I had uh, this is weird I had friends that's all I knew them as was friends out there they were a little taller than I was and I'd sit there and wave at them and they'd wave at me and and they would keep motioning me and beckoning me to come come out but I couldn't I couldn't get out the out the door because it had a latch instead of a doorknob and this one time I we were sitting on the floor with my brother and sister and I got up and went and looked and they were beckoning me to come through and next thing all I can remember is I'm on the other side of the door <laughs> and these I don't know what they were they weren't kids but they were I called them small people. <laughs> they took me up to the corner, and we went around the corner, and the next thing I can remember is I'm up above, and I'm waving bye to them, and that's that's all. And then uh, my mom and dad, they couldn't 
find me for like an hour. I was gone. And then I ended up uh, way far away <laughs> in a uh, hardware store, out in front of a hardware store. Wow. Weird. A strange was it, was it close enough you could have walked there? Uh, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. Now, that's very common in these reports, you know, especially yeah. little children being missing, panic, panicked parents, oftentimes like little kids who will be missing out of the crib. They'll call the police, and then you know the police will search the neighborhood, and then they'll come back and they'll look in the room again. The child will be back in the crib. That's that's yeah. somewhat common in these reports. Mm. But uh, I, how I got out of a locked house, uh, my mom and dad are just were just perplexed by it. They don't know how the heck I got out of there. Oh. I could not have unlocked that door and opened it. Yeah, because it had a it had a latch that you had to grab the, the latch and then mash it down with your hand mm -hmm. as you grabbed it. So, yes, you're, you're telling me the story. That's, I've heard that story in one form or another many, many times. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's remarkable. But I, I, I mean, the implication is they snatched you right out of the house and they returned yeah. you, you know, and they, they might've returned you to that hardware store just so you would know that there had been, yeah some strange event that took place but i've asked my brother about it many times and he says that's weird he says we were sitting there and uh i don't remember anything happening it's just you were there and then just in the blink of an eye he says you were gone my sister says the same thing i was there and then i wasn't <laughs> But anyways, I'll, I'll tag this little one in. That's a good story. I'll just plug that one right in. So somewhere. Okay. So. All right. <laughs> okay, you got to hear one extra story. So uh, this long, long five-part series, you got one extra bonus story right there at the end. That kind of surprised me. Now, I gotta say this stuff. Ron has a blog where he posts about his Bigfoot research at UFO Bigfoot Files at blogspot.com. I'll repeat that UFO Bigfoot Files, all one word, at blogspot.com. He is also on Facebook where he posts scenic photos of the Utah desert, including ghost towns and glorious sunsets. If you have made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.